What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Blood Moon Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Wenzel. Today, we are going to be doing one of our investigation series where we talk about a place that we've investigated. Uh, we are going in order from the first investigation to our very latest investigation. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Ashmore States in Ashmore, Illinois. In our last episode, we talked about our top 13 most haunted places in Illinois, and Ashmore was number one. So I figured it'd be kind of useful to talk about Ashmore a little in depth uh, during this during this time because I feel like Ashmore is such a unique place and such an awesome place to visit. And if you haven't gone there yet, I highly recommend it. So let's get into the episode. First things first, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Ashmore Estates. From 1857 until 1869, the Coles County Poor Boys Farm was located in Charleston Township near the small town of Loaxa, Illinois. In the 1870s, the county purchased 260 acres of land in Ashmore Township for a new farm, which sat pretty close to the Indianapolis and St. Louis Railroad. This small timber and brick building was the first to sit on the property. It was 36 by 58 feet and two stories tall with an attached kitchen. Many residents, or inmates as they called them, died at the farm. The county maintained a small cemetery somewhere north of the grounds. In 1879, Joshua Rickett, superintendent of the county farm at the time, had recorded 32 deaths out of roughly 250 inmates who had stayed at the farm between 1870 and 1879. Another pauper cemetery established a few years later still exists south of Route 16 and contains the graves of between 60 to 100 people. The Board of State Commissioner of Public Charities visited the poor farm in 1902. As for the conditions of the mentally ill at the farm, they wrote, there is no special prohibition for the insane, none are locked up or in restraint. By 1911, the Auxiliary Committee of the State Board of Charities condemned the Alms House for its vermin-infected walls, rough floors, small windows, and improper ventilation. It was reported that flies swarmed everywhere and were especially noticeable on the poor food preparation for dinner. In January of 1915, the Alms House Committee received bids for the construction of a new fireproof, quote-unquote, fireproof building at the location. The building contract for the new Alms House was granted to J.W. Montgomery in March for $20,000, and they first started building on May 17th, of 1916. A full-time caretaker and his family took turns living in the almshouse in a white farmhouse that formerly sat on the property. Coles County sold the almshouse to Ashmore States Inc. in February of 1959 and that corporation opened the building as a private psychiatric hospital by the same name. In October of 1964, after only five years in operation, the psychiatric hospital closed down because of debts. The institution did reopen in 1965, but changed its focus from a private facility to one that accepted patients from state mental institutions. This was the time that Bartonville actually sent over patients to Ashmore Estates to kind of help with overflow. So there's a connection right there. By 1968, the shelter care facility housed 49 residents, including 10 afflicting from epilepsy. So Mary Roth would have been a patient that would have fit the bill for Ashmore Estates. Paul Swinford and Galen Martini Purchased the property in July of 1976, Swinford and Martini invested over $200,000 in construction of a modern addition onto the old building. Construction began in 1977, but was not finished until the 1980s. Once the addition to Ashmore Estates had been completed and the rest of the building was brought up to code, the institution's future appeared brighter. In February of 1986, Paul Swinford entered into a limited partnership with a company that would help manage the institution's finances. 
The Department of Public Aid and Public Health completely ignored the assurances of proper license and certification for nearly a year, leading Swinford to eventually file for permission from the Illinois Health Facility Planning Board to close the facility. At that time, Ashmore State's financial losses exceeded $1.5 million. By the end of April, all of the residents had been transferred to area homes and Ashmore Estates closed its doors pretty much for good. In 1998, a resident of Sullivan named Arthur paid $12,500 for the property and announced that he was planning to renovate the building and turn it into his home. However, vandalism was pretty, pretty common at this building during the time that it was abandoned and it continued to happen even while he owned the property. So he just never went through with his plans. In August of 2006, Scott Kelly purchased the property from Arthur and began renovating it. To finance the project, the Kellys offered flashlight tours of the interior. To discourage trespassers, they erected signs and moved onto the property. Scott Kelly's plan was also not just to renovate it, but also turn it into a haunted house, which eventually opened on October 13, 2006. In the off season, Scott offered overnight stays at the building. You might remember Scott Kelly and Ashmore as they were featured on Ghost Adventures during, I think, season two of Ghost Adventures. And during that investigation, they had interviewed a weatherman who was spent, stayed the night there. Apparently, he was picked up and thrown onto the ground when he was there. And they say that it was a demon attack. Not sure how true that is, but... Let's continue with the history. In January of 2013, Ashmore Estates was hit by a fierce storm, with wind speeds reaching 80 to 100 miles per hour. Ashmore Estates suffered heavy damage. Its roof was completely blown off and support gables were destroyed. Shortly thereafter, new owners took over the property and made plans to restore the building to its former glory. On May 3rd of 2014, Ashmore Estates became under new ownership and is now owned by Robin and Norma Terry. During their first few weeks of ownership, there were huge strides made to clean up and restore Ashmore. Robin is absolutely awesome. He is the nicest person you'll ever meet. He's so kind. He's so invested into the paranormal. And the way he's restored this place, he's made it so investigator friendly. I'm talking, you can just go in there and you can plug in your DVR system. The cameras are already set up and ready to go. He has equipment that you can use. There's a PA system throughout the entire building. It's it's insane how much he's put into it. And I respect this man wholeheartedly. And I hope he keeps doing what he's doing because he is doing some awesome things over at Ashmore. He still owns it today and they do offer ghost tours that I highly recommend going on. They do daytime uh, private investigations. They do nighttime private investigations. They do flashlight tours, they do history tours, they do all kinds of tours here, and I highly recommend any of them, to be honest with you. And Robin even says himself that the daytime tours, he highly recommends because, the, like the private tours, the private daytime tours, he highly recommends because that is actually when the building is the most active is during the day, surprisingly. I know usually people are like, okay, let's go at night, we'll have night vision, stuff like that. But he said that during the day is when the building is the most active. There are several spirits that they believe are haunting here. In the basement, uh, the boiler room, they believe that there is a spirit down there who used to run the boiler. They say he's a little aggressive, but he's not demonic or anything like that. There's a little girl spirit that used to be at the old uh, wooden building that they ended up tearing down that they believe is also in this building and she kind of wanders around her name is Elva 
and she burned to death. Uh, her dress caught fire, and she just burned to death. So she's said to be haunting the floors. Uh, they believe there are several nurses haunting the property, as well as just other patients around as well. Let's start talking about our investigations there and the times that we've kind of been to Ashmore Estates. So my first trip there was in June of 2014. I didn't know that the property was owned by anybody. I, again, this was when I first started investigating and I was still kind of getting used to going to places and whatnot. Uh, I had just gone to Bartonville a year ago and I was like, okay, like, how does this stuff work? Do you just go to it and you just sign up for an investigation when you get there or do you just break in? When we got there, we pulled up, it was me, my mom and Chris again. And we got there, we noticed the no trespassing signs and there was a camera and a old truck sitting out front. So we were like, okay, well, you know, we probably shouldn't just break in. Because obviously that's not really appropriate to do, especially if there's cameras and no trespassing signs. So the first thing we did was we went up to the front door and we knocked on, well, two doors. There was two doors we knocked on and of course nobody answered. There were no lights on. I did peek in, I won't lie. We didn't break in or anything like that. So don't don't worry, I'm, I, that doesn't lead to that. Basically what I did was I stood outside the building and I threw some headphones in and I turned them, turned on the spirit box. It was crazy the amount of responses that I got from the outside. And like, it's not, it's not dark out at all. It's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. The responses I was getting through the spirit box weren't necessarily responding to my questions, but they were very, very adamant to get me to leave. I was getting responses like, asshole, go away, please leave. We don't want you here. Very very clear. It was very strange because I went from a place like Bartonville that was very welcoming and very kind of wanted us there to a place that didn't want us there at all. And we ended up booking our first investigation there for March of 2015. And when we got there, oh man, that location is just insane. There's a lot to talk about with our investigation here. For one, it's March and it was like the beginning of March. So it was freezing inside and it's a brick building so and there's no heat so if you go there i highly recommend going in the summertime or fall because going in there in march was a terrible decision and we ended up making up for that eventually our investigation was pretty insane we we did do a lot of different things here so there's a nurse's station um this is the third floor nurse's station and there is two doors that are behind the nurses station that are just kind of like small little rooms. I believe they were used for like medicine, uh, just like putting them in there, just, uh, you know, uh, storage wise. So we were chilling at the nurses station and we had an EMF going and it was spiking like crazy. And we had to be asking it yes or no questions. Yes, we would light up. No, it wouldn't. And we were getting actual responses through it. I turned around and there's the door and the door was shut. Now there's no door handle in it. So it was just like a door hole and you just kind of like, you know, put your finger in there and you just pull it or push it or whatever. So this door, I went up to it and I tried pulling it and I pulled it pretty hard. I was, I was tugging on it for a little bit. It wouldn't open. I was like, okay, all right. So I just won't go in there. Maybe they just, you know, the owners don't want us in there. It is what it is. Two minutes later, Jake goes up to the door he looks through the little door hole and he freaks out. He claims to have seen a eyeball through the door, like a bloodshot blue eye through the door. He goes and reaches for the door. I'm like, oh, it's not gonna open because it's locked. And then as soon as I finish saying that, 
he just tugs the door and it just opens no problem no no force at all he doesn't like like try to rip it open he he just kind of like grabs it and just pulls it like any normal door we were all baffled by that we were like okay was something holding the door like what what caused the door to stay shut even though i was tugging on it that freaked us out along with you know just the emf going off at the same time it was just a lot of energy happening at once and that place was filled with energy dark energy it wasn't it didn't feel positive at all like it didn't want us there there were coyotes as well so we heard that from time to time we'd hear coyotes in the distance several things happened throughout the night and i i went to the boiler room by myself i didn't really feel a whole lot i didn't feel like i was wanted down there of course uh emf kind of felt like there was like a something pulling us around the building we were walking with the emf and it was kind of just going off and then it'd stop and then we'd walk forward a little bit it'd go off and it'd stop and then we'd hear a couple bangs and then we just followed that and it felt like it was like leading us through the entire building i asked some of the people that were there that night um some stuff that might have happened off camera and some stuff that they would want me to mention for sure that how they felt and whatnot uh jared said he wanted me to bring up the spirit grabbing my arm so at the end of the investigation we were taking some photos and it was all four of us and we went to the third floor i wanted a photo of me standing down the hallway so jared was standing at the end and he was like all right i'm gonna turn the light off for a little bit so I'm like all the way at the other end of this hallway and he turns the light off and he's taking the picture with the flash. While the light's off and he's trying to figure out the camera, I feel something grab my arm. I'm wearing a hoodie at this time because yes, again, it is cold. I feel this thing grab my arm and it's just holding on to my arm. In my mind, I'm thinking, just take the photo, take the photo, please take the photo. Takes the photo, lights turn back on. I'm standing there with this thing holding my arm. I yell at them like, hey, come on, let's get, get down here. I, there's something grabbing my arm right now. They all rush down and they can see the indentation on my hoodie of a hand-sized like, like thing grabbing right where. looks. It literally looks like there's somebody grabbing my, hand, my arm. Like there's just an indentation in my hoodie. So they snap a couple photos. In the photos, you can actually see orbs around my hoodie. Now, I'm not a huge believer in orbs, but that was the only time that I do think that those orbs could have been something i'm gonna try to find the photo if i can find it then i will definitely be posting it on our instagram and our facebook uh when this podcast releases jared also wanted me to bring up that when we were in the twins room we were in the twins room for a while that there was a major temperature change so when we got in there of course it's cold like i had said but all of a sudden it just dropped like even further like we were just sitting in there sitting in the room and it's the same temperature the entire time next thing you know it feels like it just drops 20 degrees and it's just freezing in there and we ended up leaving after that because it was just so cold that we couldn't even do it and then we have the big event and this is what ryan brought up so i saved this for last ryan brought up the shadow figure that him and i saw this is the big event that honestly just kept me going because i want to see what i saw this time around again so like i had said we we were going out to take photos and ryan and i were just gonna go just him and i just take some photos and then go back down so our nerve center is on the first floor it's in a side room and you know there's three floors to the building and then the basement so we were walking up to the second floor and i had 
I had the camera, he had the flashlight, so it's not an infrared camera, it's just a still camera. And we get to the landing and we walk up a couple more steps. Down the hall, we hear a female cough, like a very sick female cough. And we're like, what the, what the hell? Like, what was that? We look up, he shines the flashlight down the hallway, and we see a shadow figure standing there. Ryan quickly runs down the stairs with the flashlight. Mind you, it's pitch black in the building. Runs down the stairs with the flashlight, leaving me in the dark, and he yells as he's running down. It's charging at us. So here I am, on the stairs, in the dark, and he just left me without a flashlight and saying that this figure is charging at us. Only on our second investigation ever, too. So I, I just ran down the stairs as well because what else was I to do? I mean, I don't have anything I can't see, so I might as well take advantage of the small light that I have coming from the flashlight and run down the stairs. I really wish we would have caught that on camera because that was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me on a ghost hunt. And that's what makes this place for me the number one most haunted place in Illinois. In May of 2019, Blood Moon, so not Fear Reality, Blood Moon, we return to Ashmore Estates. When we got to Ashmore and went inside of Ashmore, it was a completely different feeling. The spirits, they just felt happy. They felt like they wanted to be there. They were glad that it was being restored. And trust me, it was restored. Like, it was a completely different building this time around. Even Like, the energy, the way it looked, there was no graffiti. Rob and Terry and Norma were cleaning this place up, like, unbelievably. I have never seen a building go from what it was to what it is now. It was insane. The feeling was just totally different. It, it, like I said, the spirits felt happy. On our first walkthrough, while it was, you know, restored, there were a lot of dead birds that we've noticed. And they said that it just happens. They get trapped and then they can't get out. And that was kind of creepy. That's actually what Jarrett said about this time around that the dead birds were really creepy and uh, he, it made him really on edge about how the night was going to go. Carly brought up a just one quick thing. She said that the night wasn't very active, but I think that's because it just, they're just happier now. Carly brought up a loud banging noise that we heard, and we did hear a loud banging noise. I'm not sure if we caught that on camera or not. I cannot remember if it was in the investigation video. And then Jake's kind of applies to the first investigation and the second investigation we had there. He basically said that when he's there, he feels empty and he thinks it's because of the cornfield and just how empty everything looks and how Ashmore is just in the middle of nowhere. He feels like something is taking over him and just replays bad memories and whatnot. Now, I don't know if he just had a bad time the first time around or if, you know, something is actually doing that to him. So yeah, that is Ashmore Estates, and I've heard so much about this place, and I love this place so much, and I, I can't wait to return for a third time, well, technically a fourth time. So, I will say that this history was pulled directly off the Ashmore Estates website, and yeah, that's Ashmore Estates. You can book an investigation here uh, through the website or through their Facebook page, I believe. Robin is an awesome person, so it, he's really easy to deal with. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Blood Moon Paranormal Podcast. If you did, please give it a like and whatever you can do to support us. Give us a follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do. We're, uh, we're open for it. So yeah, we will see you on the next one. Later. Later.